All right, gang, welcome to the True Wealth Radio Show, the best Tuesday you've had all week, where my man Matt and I, we make stuff up about money. I think we do a good job of it, too. Right? We're professionals. Maybe we don't just make it up. <laughs> uh, I feel like sometimes I want to make it up. Here's like You asked this question before we even got started. What are we going to talk about today? I'll tell you what I think I want to talk about today, but I don't know that we'll even get there. Okay. I, I really wanted to talk about taxes. Mm. Right, because they're coming due, and so there are some things, and I think we should talk about some of the deadlines and some of the things that the IRS is going to be uh, looking at, or the Department of Revenue, and like the how and the why behind. So, this. like a hygiene show, like have you dotted your eyes and crossed your T's here? No, I'm no. not even thinking about hygiene. I, well, I'm thinking about things like people don't get that you know it only gets taxed once, or that it's they get you on the way in, or they get you on the way out, and like the different types of accounts that are available, and whether it's or a business owner or individual. Mm. There's those kinds, of, but but you know, I, I'm not going to leave this alone because everybody keeps asking about it. Enough with this question already, Matt. Yeah, is the dollar going to stop being the world's reserve currency? Yeah, we've been getting that question a few times here and there. And yeah, and I think it's the, what's the answer? No, like the dollar. Not anytime soon. No, the dollar's here to stay. For and and for for the foreseeable future, the dollar is it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Does that mean that the dollar will always be it? No, it doesn't. But here's the key question. I'm gonna ask you a magic question. Mm-hmm. If it's not the dollar, what would it be? Yeah, where do we go from there? I right. mean, and and then what? you can and you can peel these layers back for all of you listening, going Arr! right. Okay, what would it be? Well, it would be a basket of a bunch of securities. No, it won't. Yeah, you because everybody the... else with a different currency. You think that we're going to get a basket of securities as a single currency, where you've got multiple governments arguing and jockeying for position? Mm-hmm. My gosh, OPEC can't even agree on prices, and they're just dealing in oil. You're going to get multiple economies to try to coordinate and not have a bad actor. Right? I can't get my HOA to agree on something. <laughs> You're going to get multiple countries to do it? Yeah, the whole world. Are we going to get the whole world to change? their idea yeah i mean no you know how that happens at the point of a gun Mm -hmm. right so no it's don't give me that nonsense about oh it's a basket of securities it's a basket of nonsense is what that is no what could it be well it'll be oil it's like well i got news for you united states has massive oil supplies too oh sure depending on which regime's in power well you can or can't touch it you know, mm-hmm. no, it's on sacred ground that was one time walked on by a, you know, a nearly extinct <laughs> swallow turtle, and therefore you you, you can't we, be there for the rest of your life. It's like, or we'll change our mind. <laughs> you know? Justin just text me gold. <laughs> gold. See, gold's not going to be it. There's not enough. Yeah. Right. There's not enough, and it's it's right. You try to revalue it, and that's been the case for a long time. What government is going to look around and go, well, who has the most gold on the planet? Still the United States. United States. Yeah. Right. Because after World War II, countries that had debts to pay were paying us in gold. And so we became the largest holder of gold of any country. Yeah. And so, oh, you mean you're going to have countries that have no gold at all? They're going to say, you know, what's a great idea. Let's base all of our economy on something that doesn't exist for us. Right. No, no, it's no, true. They're not, and so you're going to continue to have different pockets of the world that have different economic interests, and so they're going to work within that small economic system, and then come up with some kind of unit of exchange with other economic systems and do that. And the biggest 
most liquid, most available currency to facilitate all of those dis- different transactions is still the United States mm-hmm. dollar, right? And maybe bad behavior makes it less attractive on principle. Right. Right. And that's what it comes down to is, oh, God, we're doing all these stupid things. And I go, I can't argue with that. Here's what I would say to the person that's thinking, you know, this question through. You got to look at the relative strength of the dollar historically. We can't just, you know, try and frame up things that are going on in the world and try and justify that the dollar's weakened. If we look at the value of the dollar over a long period of time, relatively, it's still right at the top of its its highs on the strength of the dollar. So it's still riding really strong. Um, there are other currencies out there, like the euro technically um, rates out a little bit stronger than the dollar at the moment. But Wait, how do you mean? There's a, there's a strength index that shows, you know, um, f- gauging that currency to other currencies, which one is the strongest in that moment of time. In ter- like, but what I'm asking is, what does strength mean? That's also a good question. How are they measuring it? Right, because if strength means, well, one euro has more purchasing power as a single unit, right. then I would go, but, well, then why are we saying $1? Maybe $10 is our unit. You know, Well, we only use 10 spots. We don't print fives and ones anymore. So does that mean now that the dollar is 10 times stronger? Hmm. Right? I mean, it's kind of silly. Yeah. It's just a matter of, well, what's the fractional unit for trade? And so that's why I'm asking, like, that's why we have exchanges, right? Because in mm-hmm. theory, the exchange is it parity of buying field. power. Yeah, it, it evens it out. Yeah, so yeah. the the euro and the dollar are not one-to-one at parity, but is one stronger than the other? I mean, that implies like, oh, do we think that the euro has like a higher faith and credit than the dollar? No. Because if it did, it would be the reserve currency. Exactly, <laughs> yes, yep. So that's, and, and again, I go, the euro, again, is like trying to get your HOA to agree all the time. The euro has had problems. This is what created part of the debt crisis in Greece, mm-hmm. is that you have different capacities or economic outputs for each member state in the European Union, right? So Greece per person, like their, their productivity per worker is lower than German productivity per worker. Well, why? It's not because G- Greeks and Germans are like not equal as far as the value of people, but different systems, the different cultural output, values, the amount yeah. of yeah, what they put into it and how they're wired, right? You know, GDP uh, plays a factor in all right? of that too. You know, some people are taller and they're better at basketball, right? It just depends on the the different strengths here. Okay, mm-hmm. I don't think Germans make particularly good olive oil. Maybe they do. I don't know. It just, <laughs> it's just that was just a dumb joke, by the way, but. That's the idea of like what is this like strength index? Mm-hmm. Well, I could just go look at the FX and know that, can I? All right, that's the exchange markets, those foreign exchange. So the FX markets we go. All right, well, what's what's the trading for? Sorry, maybe I threw a wet blanket on your strength index because I've never heard of the strength index. Like it yeah. doesn't that doesn't make intuitive sense to me. Maybe there's a better explanation. I don't get it. Yeah, you can't nod on the radio, man. Yeah, I, I don't know what else to say to that. <laughs> so, so I'm just going to put that question to bed. Is the U.S. dollar going to stop being the reserve currency? Not anytime soon. I think that's What fair. if we're really stupid and make the rest of the world angry? And I go, you mean like now? 
right? I, I yeah. Mean like, I, because arguably we we've done some pretty dumb things, right? And it's interesting because sometimes the rest of the world loves us and sometimes they hate us, and it's pretty easy to spot which is which, right? They love us when we're making rules they don't like, or rather, they hate us when we're making rules they don't like, and they love us when we're when we're putting money somewhere. Yeah. Right. Which here's the dirty little secret, everybody. When somebody goes, "We need to stop spending money on foreign aid and spend it back home," you know. Well, principally, maybe you're not wrong, but guess what? We're spending money we don't have anyway. You can't be running a deficit in the government saying, well, we're mm-hmm. spending all this money elsewhere. We're running a credit card tab is what we're doing. Or we're running the printing press. By the way, that's a and fun that question. And that behavior's been going on for yeah. a long time. What's the difference between a printing press and a credit card? Hmm. Yeah. I mean, there there might not be a well, difference. <laughs> yeah, the, the difference is, yeah, it's, it's sort of a... Only on paper, right? The difference mm-hmm. is you're supposed to pay the credit card back. Yeah. Right? Oh, deficit spending. So what you really mean to say, government officials, is money that we never intend to pay back. The problem is that we keep building debt obligations. And those debt obligations have interest. And that interest has to be accommodated for in the budget. And the solution has been, don't worry, we can spend more and we can spend more on the interest payments too we'll just run the printing press to pay the interest which then you have to ask is running the printing press any different than the credit card then that's we start your, getting that's into your point the, yeah, Are, like, yeah you were right like, is there a difference they go hard it depends to on how you gauge it and how you believe that the monetary system really works yeah and my my personal take on this one is that there, there's not a land that exists where you can spend money that isn't there and spend more money to infinity. pay for it and try to then explain to people that they didn't get ripped off, mm-hmm. like that the value was there the whole time, right? We're just relying on the fact that the system is so big. We're relying on a lot of faith at the end of the day. Well, and the system is so big mm-hmm. that you don't worry about it because as long as the value works for you, it's somebody else's problem, mm-hmm. right? Well, as long as my dollars still buy me the thing I want, it's somebody else's problem. And when you think like that on a really grand scale, that's when you get into bigger issues. That's when you start to see runaway inflation, mm-hmm. right? And that's because what we've nobody seen. wanted to take their medicine and do the financially painful things, so we kicked the can down the road. We printed money. We did a lot of other ill-advised things, and now the pain is showing up in different ways. Like <laughs> you can't afford stuff anymore. Because it's getting so darn expensive. Just a byproduct of a lack of accountability from the masses that are in power. Yeah, I mean, it, it, yeah, it, it's just a lack of. It, it, it's just economic sense, right? This is mm-hmm. so not complicated. That's the part that slays me. Is you can't run out there and go, "I'm really shocked that we had hyper." Well, it's not hyperinflation, but oh, this inflation really surprises me. I go, "This surprises nobody." It right? shouldn't. If you're surprised, it's because you were willfully blind, mm-hmm. right? You're either really ignorant, which good, learn, right? You're, but if you're really ignorant about economic systems, you could be like, wow, I did not see that coming. But if you know even the basics of economics, more dollars chasing the same amount of goods, printing money will water down the currency, which is the same as inflating everything else because the currency has less purchasing power. So- there is no place anywhere you can hide from this and say, I am shocked that we have inflation. 
It's just comical. Oh, we think it's transitory. That's a word you made up to try to get the markets to behave. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. So, no. The U.S. dollar is not going anywhere. And yes, we still have really bad behavior. Could this all end badly? I perceive that it could. But what I can't tell you is, when will it end badly? It could be generations from now. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't know. How long is the rest of the world willing to tolerate it? The answer is, judging from the declining value of other currencies, longer than we might think. Right. That's the crazy thing. I mean, it might look bad for us now, but in other countries, it might look even worse. And I think that's the reality. That very well may. So look, we're going to do the important thing that we do now. Dirty, obscene, profit We're breaks. going to take a break to collect some of that reserve currency. Ah. Stick around. We'll be right back. This is Dave Littlejohn. And Matt Dixon. You got True Wealth on News Radio 93.9 FM at 1240 KQEN. All right, gang. Welcome back to the True Wealth Radio Show where you can catch me and Matt on the podcast manana. Mm, right? Littlejohnfs.com. Exactly. By the way, I'm going to take just a brief break from our show to say congratulations, Cheyenne and also yes. Matt. Yeah. Who welcomed their first child mm -hmm. last, I guess it was Saturday, wasn't it? Oh, man, the 7th. Was it? Yeah. 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 So, so settling in now, everybody's okay. Everybody's like, how did you bring him in? Like, no, he's this is like his respite. He, he's hiding a, here. He's a chunk. He came in at eight pounds, 11 ounces. They thought he was going to be like nine pounds, 10 ounces. So he came in, you know, a pound under or so Great. what they so thought. He's but he's already throwing some, he's throwing shade already. Oh, like, yeah. Like, yeah. Does he, is he lying to the nurses? Mm -hmm. No way. He, he's pretty big, though. Huge uh -huh. hands, huge feet, and he's pretty cute. So. This does not surprise me. Mm -hmm. uh, huge, like when I say huge, like Matt's tall, everybody. Yeah, six, six. Yeah, Matt's not a little dude. Uh, you know, like I, I look up to Matt all the time and you're tall too. To. Yeah. I'm like six one. So I'm not yeah. a little dude, but like Matt stands next to me. And, and if it weren't for the fact that you have like accommodative posture for everybody else in mm -hmm. your life, cause he kind of, you know, hunches over like, let me get closer so I can hear you. Yeah. He stands up. I'm like, Oh, there it is. Yeah. But Cheyenne's pretty tall. Yeah. She's, I think she's like five, six, five, seven, somewhere in there. All right, well, still, yeah. Um, the okay. baby was long too, twenty-one and a half right. inches. So basically, do we s do signing now as his agent, or I think we got to because okay. he's strong too. I mean, he can he can already grab stuff and pull on. I mean, he's he's strong. Okay, there we go. So we're gonna get him a contract. You guys heard it. Oral contract happened on on the True Well show. Mm -hmm. So well, anyway, congratulations. Thank you. And, yeah. and I'm glad you were still able to sneak in today for the mm -hmm. show. That uh, you know we owe your. Uh, lovely bride, uh, some kind of kudos for um, letting you sneak out for a little while. Yeah, I'm sure she'll take payment in the form of Dutch Bros. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, but it has to be decaf, so. To each their own. Yeah. Right? So, getting back to home base here. So, we, you know, reserve currency, rah, rah, rah. Here's the thing that's on my mind. Okay. What are you thinking about? You guys listening, 11th hour here. We're, we're running out of daylight to get. April Your taxes 15th? done by April 15th, right? So today's the 11th. Oh, tax man. deadline falls on the weekend this year. So you're going to get until Monday the 17th, right? I believe it's Monday. Mm -hmm. And well, I, I, mean, I know it's Monday. I believe it's the 17th is this Monday, right? 
Am I doing that right? 11. So that's 12. Yeah, it's Saturday the 15th. So because it lands on a Saturday, you're going to get that ex- couple extra days to get your taxes done. Ooh. When you have a deadline like that, there are also some important deadlines from a investment opportunity perspective. Mm-hmm. Okay. First, there's the low-hanging fruit. IRAs. Yeah. Right? Individual retirement account. Okay? Two types. Mm. You may or may not be able to have one or the other. Okay? First one, traditional. Get right? your, get a little bit of a tax break. Okay? How's the traditional rollout? I mean, you can put your money in... Um, before paying any taxes on it and so it would lower your taxable income for that year which could be good um and then you also have a roth ira where you would put the money in after you've paid taxes and then as it grows you know that lump sum that grows when you go to take that money out at the appropriate age you're not going to pay taxes on that right so for a moment just you know, meander with me mm-hmm. on an on an exploration of the philosophies of the IRS. Yeah. Okay. This there was this somebody one time described this to me, and for whatever reason, it made sense. And once this made sense, it helped me understand a lot of things in finance when it comes to tax. Okay. Okay. And first, I want you to in your mind picture a tube. Like a pipe, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe you got yourself like a, a fairly like a three inch chunk of PVC. It's three feet long, right? I can visualize this. Okay, and that PVC is the IRS, and your money is going to go from you, th- from you when you're working, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, I've earned the money working, but then before you can have it, it has to go through that tube to you. And when it goes through that tube, the IRS says, oh, I'll just take a little bit of that for me. Mm-hmm. And then it squirts out the other end, and you get what's left. Okay, This is largely how taxes operate from a visual perspective. The question is, how much is going to get stuck in that tube? And when it comes to income taxes, so first of all, the IRS says there's different types of money flowing through your life. Some of it is income. Some of it is profits from appreciation. Hey, I bought something for one price and I sold it for more than I paid for it. So I had a gain and the IRS says, well, well, you you have more money than you started. We would like to know about that and we would like to take some of it. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you now have income taxes and now you've got capital gains taxes. There's other kinds too, but that tube that the reason it's important is because what happens if you could get the money before it went through the tube and you could invest it? That would be nice. That's what a traditional IRA does. It mm-hmm. says, oh, I earned this money, but before I put it through the IRS machine and it takes some, I'll just put it over here in this investment account. Correct. And I'll start to grow it. And I will not pay the IRS. And the IRS says, okay, fine. But here's what we're going to do. Later on, when you take the money out of that investment and you want to spend it on something, 
Then you will run it through the tube and we will collect our taxes then. Mm-hmm. So, when do you want to pay the taxes? Right. And so the IRS says you can defer your taxes and pay them later. That's the traditional IRA. And as you said, the Roth IRA says, you know what? Let's just run the money through this tube. Whatever comes out the other side, we'll invest it then. Mm-hmm. And then we will put it in an investment and then we can grow it. And then it's after the IRS has already taken their money. And we go, oh, well, that's handy. Now I don't have to pay the taxes again in a Roth. Now, these are unique circumstances, right? But the idea is they get you on the way in or they get you on the way out. So here's the really tricky question, Matt. Mm -hmm. Who is eligible for an IRA? Well, there are in you have to have income. Let's okay, just so make first, it easy. You, you must have earned income, mm -hmm. not investment income, not rental income or anything like that. Yeah, earned w income. We'll clarify that. W-2 income. Yeah, or 1099. You yeah. can go to work yeah. and have income as a self-employment, self but you have to have earned income. Mm-hmm. What's next? There are limits on how much you can put in. So no, but that we're talking about not how much you put in. Oh. Who can have it? You would have to be a US citizen. Yes. So let's check that box. Well, man, I mean, I think you could be a green card holder. You got you know, Maybe, you need a yeah. some kind of taxpayer identification number right. so that you're in yeah. the system for it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Where else are you what where else are you going? So with this, this is the trick. It's not as tricky as you think. Yeah. All you need is earned income, and then you need to be under the age of required minimum distributions. Mm -hmm. Right? So at some point, you're too old to get a traditional IRA. Right now, I believe it's 72, 72. or 73. Yeah. But a lot of people think, well, if I make too much money, I can't have it, or if I don't make enough. No. As long as you have earned income, you can have one. Anybody can. And you're talking about the traditional IRA. Traditional IRA. Yeah. Okay. Here's the catch. Because I was going to say. Not everybody can get a deduction. Uh-huh. Okay? Yeah, there are income you limits. You may still have to put the money through that IRS tube, regardless. Mm -hmm. Because if you make too much money, they say, well, you're not allowed to deduct your IRA. Right. Here's the other one. On the Roth IRA, it's really the same rules that apply. You need earned income, and mm -hmm. you need to be within the age limits, and you can have one. Unless... You make too much money. Mm -hmm. And then the IRS says, if you are like, and if you're single, right, you made between 129,000 and 144,000, you can deduct, or you can, you can have some Roth. But if you mm -hmm. make more than that, no Roth. If you're married, it goes up. If you're married, it goes up to 214,000 before mm -hmm. you're kicked out. Right. right. And so there's a phase out period. But if you make less than that, Roth is fair game. Sure. Here's the good news. If you are clever, there are some ways around that. We're not even going to discuss what they are on the radio show. Mm -hmm. Too complicated, right? What I'm going to tell you is see me after class because this is exactly the kind of stuff that a good financial planner should be able to help you discover is could I still have a Roth IRA even if I am currently ineligible? Mm. And the answer is a solid maybe. It might make sense and it might be possible, but it's going to be case by case. Right. Right. So, Matt, 
they can call us, yeah? Yeah, give us a phone call at 541-375-0898. Right? So that's what we call a pitch. Uh-huh. Right? That's in the show. I, you know, I love it when you throw the pitch in there, like, David. I think we need more. We should go, start pitching did them every five minutes. actually do that? Because I'm, I'm really a soft sell on this stuff. I always tell people, if it makes sense, mm-hmm. call us and we will, you know, it will be a good fit. You'll know when it's a good fit because the personalities mesh and the value systems mesh and you need the help, right? So that's when it's a good mesh. Uh, but this is happens to be one of those times of the year where you go, look, the clock's ticking. If you're interested in doing this stuff, you need to get on your horse, right? So five four one three seven five zero eight nine eight, and we got to take an obscene profit break. Uh, again, again. Okay. So stick around, and when we come back, more things that you need to be aware of as tax deadline approaches. I like it exactly. That and more. We'll be right back. This is Dave Little John and Matt Dixon. Got True Wealth on News Radio ninety three nine FM and twelve forty KQEN. All right, gang, welcome back to the True Wealth Radio Show. Matt. Yes. What are some of the other, besides IRAs, mm-hmm. and, and uh, by the way, correction, the deadline for our taxes is not Monday the 17th. It is Tuesday the 18th. I am informed by our crack staff at Little John Financial. Mm-hmm saying apparently the 17th is Emancipation Day, celebrated in Washington, Ah. D.C. or something, to which I went, what? So I live under a rock, I guess. But the 18th is the tax deadline. So you can all thank my staff for giving you an extra day because pretty sure the IRS was going to go off of what I said. Said nobody. (laughs) So (laughs) what else is deadline for tax deadline well i you asked the question earlier what else exists besides just a roth ira and a traditional ira there's i mean there's simple iras there's a sep ira so there's different types of iras the employer retirement plans right if you've had a 401k or something like that typically speaking if you're just a participant in an employer plan you're not worried about it right exactly but the employer is because there are certain deadlines for them, which includes for simple IRAs. Well, for simple IRAs, you needed to have last year's contributions in as an employee by the end of January, January thirtieth. Mm-hmm. Okay, right. but employers to get the employer match in may have may, right? I'm not saying do, but say may have up until tax deadline. Mm-hmm. Okay. SEP IRAs, another employer plan. Deadline is tax deadline. Right. Okay. Interesting one, profit-sharing contributions for 401k plans. Mm-hmm. Tax deadline, however, can be extended with an extension of tax filing. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there are a number of things. Now, for most of us, your tax planning should have already happened by the end of December. But right? this is a really good reminder in case it got put on the back burner but for those of you that are thinking about retirement plans it's not too late oh here's another contribution if you're eligible for a health savings account Ooh, we always forget about those yeah you have until tax deadline yeah this year to make contributions for the prior year good call okay so there are there are some things that you may be able to do and that could potentially reduce the amount of money that flows through the tube 
to the IRS. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's the idea of pre-tax investing or pre-tax contributions to savings vehicles in like health savings example. Okay, so I feel like we've probably exhausted that one. Enough. I think so. Right. I I just I pointed out because every year you know you have some folks that go like, oh my gosh. How did it sneak up? It's deadline. I got to get this thing done. And you know what the answer is? Yeah, get it done. Mm-hmm. And there are lots of places you can go. Uh, I, I hate to say it like this too, but if you're just getting started and you're like, I got 6000 bucks, I'm going to call Little John. It's like, nah, we're not going to be able to help you. Mm-hmm. Right? And I've had people try to do this. Well, you know, can you make the deadline? It's not about the deadline. It's just that you know, you're not going to meet the account minimums because regulations for us, just hard, right? So, But banks can do it for you. Mm-hmm. Right, you get a CD done. You go online. There's lots of options, and there's a bunch of investment options for the do-it-yourselfer out there too, right? And mm-hmm. and this these are not recommendations when I say this, but just there are the likes of the vanguards of the world and the fidelities of the world and those big you know the, the do black it yourself. rocks the where there's yeah. do-it-yourself tools that you can go online and open an account online. Okay, now. Let's talk about another subject that I think is really a big deal right now, and it has to do with how rates have gone up a lot. Mm-hmm. We don't often talk we, – we talk theory a lot. I want to talk about some practical things for you to investigate. Again, not advising you to do this thing, but suggesting it is worth investigating, and that is many, many – banks, particularly some of these online high-interest savings banks, have really increased what they're paying recently. I've been getting that question a lot. I have a little bit of money at my bank, but it's not making any money. How do I get it into something that is? This is going to drive the local bankers a little nuts, potentially, because if banks start seeing deposits leave and go to other banks, it can and make them a little it. cagey. We've seen it, yeah. However, well, it depends because sometimes banks need deposits because they've got loans to make. Other times the deposits are a liability. So there's a fine line here. And how do banks determine how much to pay for I mean, CDs or for- I think a lot of it comes down to the bank's balance sheet, right? Like how much debt do they- How many loans are they trying to yeah. make? They need deposits to, to make loans, then they're going to pay- for those deposits mm-hmm. in the form of higher rates. There, there are online savings accounts now that are paying close to 5%, mm-hmm. right? 5% in liquid FDIC-insured online savings accounts. And I think the FDIC-insured is important. Okay, You want legitimate banking vehicles that have you federally insured so that you your deposits are in the normal healthy banking system, not in the Silicon Valley Bank, you know, outside of FDIC coverage kind of range that we have discussed on previous shows. But man, you got options, mm-hmm. lots of them. This one, again, not advice, but this is a good resource to go hunting for some of the best CD and bank rates. You know where you can go? Is it Lending Tree? I think they're I one of them. I suggest bankrate.com. Oh, that's another one, yep. Okay. Bankrate.com is sort of a – it brings together bunches of them. So you get a whole list of the different options out there. How do these work in general? Like have you used a high-interest savings account, Matt? I haven't opened one for myself personally, okay. no. So 
I have, so I can speak to this, okay? What happens is, first, you'll go to the online savings environment, mm -hmm. and you're going to create a secure login with your own credentialing and so forth, and then you're going to open an account. They may actually still require that you create paperwork and send it in for verification, right? It may not mm -hmm. be purely online, but it often can be purely online. Then, once your account is open and verified, they are going to ask you to connect another to another bank because they don't have storefronts. You can't walk into some of these places and get these deals. They're only available online. Mm -hmm. So they connect via the ACH system, right? Right. Which is the uh, ACH's Automated Clearinghouse, I believe, is the acronym. Okay. It's the back office system by which financial institutions talk to each kind other. Kind of move money, money back and forth, yeah. And what they are going to do is link to another account that you have. And once that link is established, they're able to push or pull money and say, like, well, we'll just take money out of your bank and put it in your high interest savings, or we can take money from high interest savings and put it back in your bank. So you're going to take your checking account, for example, and connect it so that you can then transfer money from your daily banking environment to this holding tank that's high interest. Mm -hmm. okay? So it really is a savings account, and there really are a couple of steps to get the money moved in between the two banks. But you really do get significantly higher rates than what you're seeing in most typical banking environments. So consider whether or not that's available. And I believe natural market forces take care of this, right? If the local banks are like, we don't want you to take the money away, then you go, well, then where's the interest I need to get paid to keep it here? Mm -hmm. And they'll do one of two things. Keep enough in the account that we don't charge you fees, or here's a higher rate. <laughs> so, yeah, and we, we were kind of talking about um, you know what the online banks can do for people. Can we offer any type of services, you know, for people where we can also help find some products? Okay. So the short answer to this is absolutely. Mm. The long answer maybe <laughs> comes after the oh, break. Oh, okay. So we'll grab the last break a minute or two early here, right? But we'll use it. I think we grabbed it. I can't tell if the music's going to play or not. Uh, maybe it is? There we go. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm trying to do like the hang thing for the client where the guy, all right, you're listening. You want to know like how are we going to get the best rates? We have a way. We'll cover it when we come back. This is David. And Matt. And you got True Wealth on News Radio 93.9 FM and 1240. Thank you again. All right, gang, welcome back to the home stretch of the True Wealth Show, where I'm in studio with Matt Dixon. And we're talking about, well, we talked taxes, mm -hmm. talked reserve currency, wah, wah. And we've talked about various retirement plans. And then we start talking about how interest rates have gone up so much that it's really become very interesting. Haha. <laughs> Mm -hmm. to look at some of these high-interest savings accounts and how they may be appropriate for you. And I use the terms like may because I'm not giving you advice on this stuff, right? But I'm saying go do your homework because they're out there. And, and you're, if you've got savings that you want to keep liquid, then that may be an adequate place to do that. First, quick note. Yeah. How much do you think uh, 
somebody should typically keep in savings? I'd say probably three to six months of their income. Yeah, as just a general ball ballpark. And, and why? Where's the range come from? I mean, I think it just comes from the standpoint that in the event that something happens to you, you need to be able to float yourself for that long until you're either off of you know disability or you found a new job because you lost your job. Right. It's it's the so typically speaking, there's a waiting period before disability coverage would turn on, mm-hmm. right? So six months uh, or three months is real common. So right. it also assumes you've got disability coverage. If you don't, uh, one, that might be a gap in your financial coverage. But two, the other reason, right? Well, two is <laughs> if it's gap in your financial coverage, but two is because you may not be the only earner. Right. And so mm-hmm. if you've got a second earner, then you get to have both incomes. So it's like, well, we're, we're the, not running on yeah. all eight cylinders, but we might still be running on four out of eight, which means you're still limping along until you're back up to speed. Then, you know, you need some reserves to bridge the gap. Correct. And a lot of people don't think about the disability thing. It's pretty morbid to think about because uh, it's not real fun. Um, Social Security does have a component of it, but it's pretty meager. Mm-hmm. And so it is a real thing. If you work in an environment where there's possibility of getting um, injured and ending up without the capacity to keep doing your job, mm-hmm. then disability is a very real thing that you should consider. And um, I can advise you to look into that as appropriate to your circumstance, right? So I can say my advice is that you should examine whether or not disability is appropriate for you. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I'm I'm willing to say that on air, and no, you know a lot of time the regulators are like, "You did what?" It's like, yeah, make sure that you have adequate reserves. If you can, if somebody's relying on your income, somebody like you or your family, and that income is interrupted, what's your plan? Okay, look into that. That now back to the the whole rate thing, Matt. Mm-hmm. I was curious, can we help? Well, that, let me yeah. ask it, Matt. How can we help? We can do a lot of things potentially right like Uh we can't make any type of commitment on air but we are able to go and find cds um right we can broker to other banks yeah we can um and oftentimes you know we can get pretty good rates on -hmm. those um and so there's a lot of different options uh we can look at cds we can look at treasuries we can do a lot of those things in-house um and i'd say that the rates are right now at least for us maybe a little bit higher than some of these yeah. um online banks oftentimes we we do we get to see a lot of inventory yeah we have a full menu to choose from and so we can kind of customize this based on what your individual needs yeah. are i will say there's a caveat to buying cds through a brokered environment as opposed to getting them directly from a bank mm-hmm. because when you buy a cd from a bank you can go back to the bank you bought it from, and if you need to break the CD, you may give up your interest, but you can typically reclaim your money fairly easy. When it comes to CDs that are brokered, mm-hmm. you don't break those CDs. You hold them until they mature, and then you collect the money. If right. you want to redeem early, you must find another buyer to purchase it from you in order to get that, which means right. they're going to behave more like a bond. Mm-hmm. Okay? And so that's an interesting thing for a lot of people is that you're now getting into the fixed income arena. 
Now, I will say this. Fixed income has become much more interesting in the past 18 months. Really, in the past six months, it's become a lot more interesting than it has been for the last several years mm-hmm. in, in my career. Uh, and I use the term meat on the bone, right? When when interest rates were super low, it's like, well, what are you going to get us? Uh, uh, go buy a 10-year treasury that's paying you 1.5% for 10 years? Mm-hmm. Getting paid, oh, I put $100,000 into this thing, and 10 years later, right. it's going to give me back $101,500. Right. Well, and wow. with the rates the way they are now, for $100,000, you should see an annualized income or you know each month of around five hundred dollars a month yeah, I that's totally said not that wrong, trivial i just said a hundred you, you get back fifty you know one and a half percent interest it's per year so you get fifteen hundred dollars right. per year for ten years so you make fifteen thousand dollars in ten years right hundred grand that's still pretty small potatoes in ten years if you make a total of fifteen percent gross return mm-hmm. bummer right now for every hundred thousand, about five hundred a month in income. That's pretty substantial. Yeah, yeah, like that's way more. You're I mean, making. Think about it like this in terms of rentals, right? You have a two hundred thousand dollar rental home. You might get yeah. what thousand, twelve hundred dollars a month yeah. in rent. What if you can play in it's this basic, arena of yeah. fixed income without the liability of the renter and still be, you know, yeah. getting the same type of yield? That's insane. Yeah, we're seeing bond yields that are starting to approach some of the real estate cap rates that we saw. Exactly. And so that's pretty remarkable. Uh, it's it's good news for fixed income investors. However, the fact that it's changed so rapidly is part of the struggle that the economy is trying to deal with. Because, mm-hmm. you know, we built you an economy for the last 10 years on low rates, and mm-hmm. now they don't exist <laughs> the same way. So now what? Mm-hmm. The choppy waters. We'll put it that way. Choppy waters. But as I like to say... Um, this is where opportunities are born, right? It, you know, we we've talked before on this program about things like recession, mm-hmm. and the joke in the financial industry now is this is going to be the most forecasted recession of all time. Uh, but I've also been saying I think we're probably already in the recession. We just don't know how to measure it yet because the the tools have like the the data is being sort of reanalyzed in real time. Consider this though, if your if your purchasing power is uh, we think about like the the growth rate. Oh, the, com- the country's let's say GDP is three percent, but inflation's running at six percent. Well, yeah. Then your GDP really has is, you know, it's, like are you keeping up? Are you really three percent less than you should have been? Mm-hmm. Right? Because well, we just shifted the value of everything so that yeah, we grew it, but not enough to really keep up with the inflation. And go then we actually just didn't know how to measure the back that, that we skated backwards right mm-hmm. you know and that this is your fee a lot of people are feeling this by the way it's like well yeah i got a raise but everything got more expensive than my raise so i feel like it's life is still more expensive even though i got a raise mm-hmm. and that's what that's what folks are feeling and i don't know how you measure that yet but it's to say it's to suggest somewhere in there is a recession right like well you know markets went down 10 percent uh, or, or so yeah but if inflation goes up 10 percent too then you really had a 20 percent swing that's a bear market, right? Yeah, that's a good and way we to actually, put it. We did hit a bear market, but I mean, I suggest we hit a bear market long before we hit the bear market when inflation started going bananas. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the, the issue now with all of the investing that we're trying to manage here looking forward. So, All this to say that it is choppy waters, but there are lots of opportunities, I believe, that are available. Uh, the U.S. dollar is not likely to be the thing that sinks the ship, uh, even though it's going to make us mad. And I can make you another promise. 
um, somebody in a position of political leadership will make a decision or comment that will make you mad. Hmm. Guaranteed. So that was pretty safe, right? Look, um, as we run up against the uh, end of our time here, uh, I don't know that we have any, any particularly good financial terms. But you week. know what we do need to do, What's David? That? We need to let the listeners know what or how to reach us because we just threw a lot of numbers around and people are interested in finding ways that they can beat inflation or try and keep pace with inflation. So how do they get a hold of us if they need to talk to a professional? Okay. So first, let's let's lay this out there. It doesn't cost anything to do this, right? That's amazing. Initial consults for us. This is a we're both going to take a risk. You're so going to try to get to know us. We're going to try to understand you and before anybody ever runs a meter and says you're going to pay anybody we're going to make sure. We just want to talk. Yep. You'll you'll know if the meter is ever running. That's first thing. Second thing is it never hurts to ask, right? So mm -hmm. how do they reach us? Webpage, littlejohnfs.com. Uh, email, info at littlejohnfs.com. Or just call 541-375-0898. Yeah, the keyword in all of that is Little John. If you remember nothing else, you remember Little John. All right. Well, that's it the for the day. We got to run. Until next time, this is David and Matt Dixon. The preceding program was paid for by Little John Financial Services. The opinions and views expressed may not reflect those of Brooks Communications, its affiliates, or its employees.